And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Wednesday. Uh, can we call it Whistleblower Wednesday? Gary, how are you? I think we have a new name for Wednesday, or at least this Wednesday. <laughs> I'm just, after yesterday talking about the, the No Labels Party, and uh, we had uh, talked about an op-ed piece by, uh, I don't know who the guy is, but uh, you could you could tell. I mean, he, obviously he was extremely liberal, and he was just, uh, like most Democrats and liberals just panicking over the no labels, you know, the no labels party mm. and just any third party candidate because most view that whether it was Manchin uh, running uh, for the uh, the, uh, you know, the third party, you know, if he decided to run as a third party for the no labels or Cornell West. And there seems to be more worrying about Cornell West, actually, because yeah. the left wing of the Democratic Party may abandon uh, uh, may abandon Biden. Mm. But. It's like, well, the No Labels Party doesn't stand for anything. This is just ridiculous. It's childish. It's what we've said all along. You've got to stand for something. And whether it's the the No Labels Party or the Forward Party, they basically have said, well, we're not going to get involved in dealing with any type of controversial issue. Tell me what issue right now is not controversial. They're they're all controversial. It's basically, well, we just want to be a political party where let's not call it the Forward Party. Uh, let's not call it the No Labels Party, the Kumbaya Party. How about that? Kumbaya. Well, you know, the controversy of paper or plastic. There's there's your choice. Uh, paper or, pl- well, plastic's killing the uh, ocean and paper's killing the trees. You can't go anywhere without a controversy. And you can't go anywhere as a party without picking a side. You have to pick paper or plastic. Good luck. No labels. And reading here, and this is why I'm laughing, reading from Andrew Klein from National Review, of course, a conservative on his his comments on it. I'm just I'm just laughing here. It mm-hmm. says 
Because West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin was the headliner, a small group of anti-fossil fuel protesters gathered outside. Nearly fossilized themselves, they handled out anti-Manchin pamphlets and tried to discourage attendings, attendance by calling Manchin, and by extension no labels, a shill for the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> One woman walking past the protesters shouted back, I don't want to go in either, implying that she was there only to accompany her companion. Hmm. That sentiment seemed to permeate the humid July air. People weren't inspired to show up as much as they wandered in as part of a rambling quest for direction in a politically alienating uh, alienating time. Hmm. Uh, it was the latest stop on a long, lonely, <laughs> haphazard search for a new political home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, attendees were told that they'd be present for the unveiling of the No Labels Common Sense Agenda, hmm. a plan to unite Americans behind a vision of better, less divided future. But headliners Joe Manchin and John Huntsman didn't tug very hard on the curtain that hid the plan. They pulled a bit and then let it crash back down like a Muppet Show sketch in real life. Sure, there were handouts. Each attendee at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics was offered a handsome 63-page booklet printed on heavy card stock, outline all 30 points of the common sense agenda. There was point number one. America can't solve its biggest problems and deliver the results hardworking taxpayers want, need, and deserve unless Democrats and Republicans start working together side-by-side on bipartisan solutions. That was point number 11. As a matter of decency, dignity, and morality, no child in America should go to bed or go to school hungry. Hmm. Point number 18. A world led by America is safer than a world led by Russia and China would be. Releasing this agenda was supposed to be the purpose of the event, but no one seems to have told the two headliners that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. In an introductory statement, dear old Joe Lieberman, friend of John McCain, Democratic vice presidential nominee uh, 23 years ago and founding chairman of No Labels, said of the agenda, I hope you will be excited by its vision and direction. His hopes were immediately dashed. Instead of introducing the 30-point agenda, outlining it, highlighting it, discussing it, and even making a concerted effort to address it, Huntsman and Manchin sat down to answer a series of questions town hall style from Scripps News political correspondent and other attendees. It felt like a press conference was called and the town hall meeting broke out, except the town hall was planned. It was an event. There was no presentation of the 30-point agenda. Yeah. (laughs) No rallying the audience around a shared vision, leaving them excited to participate in a new political movement, instead, the moderator was allowed to ask whatever question he wanted, and microphones were passed around so audience members could steer the conversation in whatever direction they wanted. Hmm. And steer they did. One moderator asked the uh, the moderator asked political questions, looking at Mansion and Huntsman. Is this the presidential ticket? Then the attendees took their turns. Naturally, the first audience question in true New Hampshire primary fashion was from a political activist who asserted a dubious string of premises to lead to her attack in the form of a question barely on Joe Manchin for supporting the fossil fuel industry, and so it went. Audience members asked about their personal issues, 
and Huntsman and Manchin gave their personal answers. It wouldn't have been disappointed if it wasn't so hilariously predictable. On fossil fuels, Huntsman said he thought a carbon tax was a good idea. Manchin immediately disagreed, strongly saying, I have never supported a price on carbon. So the whole point of the no labels, as we talked about the Ford Party and the no labels, is that we're going to avoid controversial issues. And then the first thing they get to is the insanity of the of the uh, uh, carbon free movement Mm -hmm. or the, you know, the climate change movement. And they completely disagree. And so it's the typical Democrat versus Republican. And they're supposed to be beyond it. Yeah. Oh, I um, just love it. Love well, it. it's again, uh, we're they want to pretend like they're neutral on issues. Like Evan Thomas was saying about Obama, we rise above, we hover above the other parties. <laughs> no, you don't. Because you either have a spine or you don't. The spineless party, the no spine party. Uh, now, and, it, and it's so funny, he goes, you uh, you won't find any uh, more concrete answers on the No Labels website. Hmm. There under the, the fact sheet is a question, what does No Labels stand for? <laughs> Here's the answer. You ready? <laughs> we care about this country more than the demands of any political party. <laughs> yeah. Political leaders need to listen more to the majority of Americans and less to the extremists on the far left and right. We are grateful to live in a country where we can openly disagree with other people. <laughs> America isn't per- perfect, but we love this country and would not want to live anyplace else. We can still love and respect people who do not share our political opinions. We support and are grateful for the U.S. military. No labels principles are so calorie free <laughs> that <laughs> its own leaders seem to have swallowed them without knowing what they'd eaten. Where does it have helpful suggestions, build more housing, stop deficit spending? It struggles to articulate how any of these goals will be achieved. After all, it's running a candidate for president, not proposing a concrete agenda to be passed by Congress. For all the talk about civics, no one in the group seemed to have considered that a victorious no-labels president would still have to deal with a Congress-elected by a sharply divided country with members answerable to constituents, not the no-labels board members. Oh, man. And so it's just, I mean, it's just hilarious because it is the no-labels movement and the forward party movement are childish. Well, It's childish. They're, well, at you, least a, a child will tell you what they want. Yeah, man, yeah, that's true. Trust me, I know. Um, this, <laughs> my grandson, yesterday morning, for about an hour. And and the whole thing is is that, uh, number one, I'm shocked that Beto O'Rourke is not part of this party. This is right out of the Beto playbook. Well, we'll just do what's right. We'll do what the people think is right and not do wrong stuff. They don't want to make a choice. They want to pretend like they're better because they're not the, one of the other parties. That doesn't make you better. It's just ridiculous. It's insane. I I know. You know, and it's, you know, because you see it on social media. Well, we need someone who's not so far right and not so far left. Which means? Welcome to talk radio 40 years ago. (laughs) 
You know, this whole thing. Well, we just all need to meet in the middle. Okay, John McCain. All right. We I'm need a... to work across the aisle. Yeah, okay. I'm staying right here. Well, you go across whatever aisle you think you need to do. Well, we'll ask question number one. We, I'd ask, excuse me, you talk about everybody coming together to do it. That's why we have $32 trillion in yeah, debt. Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. because both sides, oh, yeah, overwhelmingly, no. both sides there's what we agreed and compromised and agreed to 32 trillion dollars in debt and that's the result of compromise right and both parties to different degrees Mm -hmm. because the democrats still would spend more than the republicans Mm -hmm. but still you had to come to an agreement so where you had cooperation between the two parties has given us the philosophy that what we want today the burden of what we want today we should put on our children grandchildren and great-grandchildren that is the morality of the actual results of compromise and both parties getting along for the better good yeah reaching across the aisle yes now that train to doomsville is the gop train it's just running behind the democratic train and the gop train is leading from behind of course always and it's just going to go off the tracks a little bit later a few minutes later you know, this is this is the that's what you get with compromise. I don't want to hear about compromise. And that's why it's childish. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, well, it's insane. And, and there. But I think you're absolutely right, though. We, we've noticed that over the years of being in talk radio, you know, the I, I, I've talked about <laughs> the the arrogance of, well, I'm an independent mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I take a look at both sides uh-huh. and. And see, well, tell me specifically. Yeah, right. And and they always struggle on it. But there's a certain arrogant, there's a certain virtue signaling in, well, we're going to be part of the no labels party or part of the forward party. We're not going to be the other two parties. What we're going to talk about is, well, we're actually not going to talk about issues. We're going to want to talk about bringing people together. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. It all gets down to where you stand on the issues And when you say, as the forward party did, you know, because when, you know, they basically said, well, we're not going to get involved in controversial issues. I actually said that Mm -hmm. as we brought you yesterday. It's like, well, then you're not getting involved in the issues. Right. Tell me what issue isn't controversial. Right. Now, if you say I'm against child trafficking, you're promoting a conspiracy. Yeah. Make a movie about uh, that, 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 that shows the effort to stop child trafficking and oh my gosh this right wing agenda we they're need, wanting to save children and whatnot we need we need to compromise the state needs to be teaching sexualized content to five years old five-year-olds no they shouldn't it's all the, right let's compromise we'll do it at seven years old yeah right sorry that's not gonna work yeah yeah no compromise sorry that's Far, far, far behind us. By the way, if anyone on the left, in terms of the rank and file, wants to move over the aisle and, you know, be reasonable, especially when it comes to items like you just mentioned, when it comes to what we teach children and mutilation surgery, you're welcome. You're welcome to join us. On that issue, you're welcome to join us. Right, gays, we, gays against grooming. I don't yeah. know. Did we play? 
There was something uh, yesterday or day before. I don't know uh, if we it was played on, the audio. I think it was on Twitter. Okay. No, it was a Twitter yeah. thing. I'll find it. Yeah. I'll find it again. Yeah. Uh, it was on, their, it was on look, their Twitter site. Because that's, to me, that's not an issue that's left or right. It's right or wrong. It's real simple. But it is left and right. Mm-hmm. No, they've made it left right, and right. Right, because because that's where the these these the the uh, no labels part of the forward party. We need not to worry about political party and not what's left or right, but what is right. Okay, child mutilation. Oh, child, no, 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 tell the left that. Yeah, exactly. That's child mutilation is flat out wrong. The left has made it divisive and politicized it. It's not political. It's not left or right. It's abuse. And if you are part of it, you belong in prison. 866-90-RED-EYE. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider, too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yes, yeah, so uh, you just did mention 
Gays Against Groomers, and I went to their Twitter site. You you go to that Twitter site, you would think that it is the the most conservative website that you could possibly find. Yeah, no, I, on, on yeah. the whole thing against grooming. When you read it, you're just like, whoa, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, this is the thing that that I had seen yesterday. It said there is no such thing as a trans kid. The trans kid is a pharmaceutically constructed demographic of children who were told that they are living in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. Their parents are convinced if they do not medicalize their child's perceived identity before adulthood, they will hurt themselves or worse. This is a statistically proven lie and gaslighting to the fullest extent. It must stop. Wow. That sounds like it comes right off Daily Wire or something. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and when you go through a ton of the others, you're just yeah. like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. And I yeah. just did during the, the uh, you know, during, well, good. during during the break. So, you know, where 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 does, because we were talking about the, the the forward party and the no labels party, yeah. not wanting to take any type of, of, of positions on anything. Right. And it's just like, what a waste of time. And everybody knows it. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. And and it was, but the virtue signaling that exists out there, well, we're not like the other parties. Mm-hmm. And I like we used to get from, I'm an independent, and yes. I actually, I think about the issues as if we're conservatives and just go, uh, the, what does Trump say? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yep, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't like Trump anymore. DeSantis, what does he say? I don't have a mind of my own mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm a conservative. Go I Pence. Should, oh, I, wait, I, none of us say that. <laughs> <laughs> I should switch to an independent where I actually uh, use critical thinking skills and look at what's right on the left and what's right on the right or on the on the left on the right and left whatever mm. so but <laughs> yeah. i mean the the i've been you know we we've been dealing with that arrogance for the longest time well you guys are conservatives i'm an independent yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you you go be loyal to your party we're going to be over here being loyal to n- nothing <laughs> <laughs> to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, um, yesterday, uh, Trump saying that he got a, a letter from the DOJ, what's called a target letter yeah. from the Department of Justice, mm. uh, that uh, he is a target of the January 6th probe. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I went, for what? Yeah, you know, for I, you know, and the first thing I thought of was, there's nothing in the speech they can get him on. No, they have to have something else. I just don't, I just don't get it. And as it went on, and you know, the talking heads are talking about it, and you know, the stupid CNN. Well, you had the special prosecutor come out of Subway, and yes, that's a, a definite message to Trump. And I went, what's the message? Yeah, what message? And I'm just like, okay, everybody's reaching here. Nobody has any idea. And then Jonathan Turley, uh, the constitutional law professor, a Democrat, uh, but uh, 
has become very, very anti what the Democrats have been doing over the last couple of years was on Fox and talked about the target letter and how he sees it. This is a step that usually will come towards the end of an investigation. Uh, When you receive these types of letters, it often gives your client the opportunity to appear in a grand jury. They are never a welcomed uh, thing to receive. Uh, Usually a target letter is before you receive an indictment. Uh, That's not necessarily uh, the case. But it's viewed that way by most criminal defense attorneys. These letters often uh, tell the target that they need to preserve evidence, that they need to look at counsel, and that they have a set period of time where they can appear before the grand jury. Uh, The concern here is that the uh, special counsel could be proceeding on a case that might be constitutionally challenged. Uh, If the case is built around Trump's speech on the ellipsis on January 6th, I don't believe that it could withstand judicial review. The question is, does Smith have something else, something that's a direct link to uh, a conspiracy or effort uh, to cause uh, violence? We haven't seen that. I mean, the January 6th Committee in Congress came up with nothing uh, as a direct nexus to that type of evidence. Mm. And and so... Throw your hands up in the air. I have no idea what they what they would be looking well, at. And when you look at, for example, and we went through the everything the January sixth committee did, which again was bogus because they never allowed. And and that's the thing: the January sixth committee never allowed any type of cross examination from uh, the from the, uh, the 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 target who was Trump, who would have been the defense, except there was no defense. It was simply all allegations, and they they got nothing. They they got absolutely nothing. So you look at this and you say, what in the world might they be looking at, and would it withstand constitutional review? Well, or court review, because, judicial review. Yeah, is it something? Is it part of the criminal referrals that they sent from the January sixth? Because if that's the case, then that's a reach. If they sent a criminal referral to the DOJ, well, they did. But based on, I mean, the the flimsy, very flimsy, non-case, and also the structure of the January 6th committee itself, that's not going to stand. It just isn't. And when they sent the referral, I don't know if there was more, I don't know how many there were total, I think two or three. But when they sent... Uh, the first one, I thought, based on what? Exactly what are you trying to get here? And so that would be the question. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, the, because what they came up with uh, was the uh, the charges recommended by the committee are conspiracy to defraud the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Obstruction of an official proceeding in Congress, which right. those... That's not going to stand. That and neither defraud the United States, conspiracy to make a false statement. Conspiracy to make a false False statement. statement. False statement where? Yeah, where's the false statement and where's the conspiracy behind it? Right, but but there is no such thing as conspiracy to make a false statement. Right. People make false statements all the time. Political parties, you know, that's the whole point. If 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 there's a conspiracy to commit perjury, that's one thing. But right. conspiracy to make, and that's why it was laughed at, 
conspiracy to make a false statement. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, you said the election was stolen. Well, then all the Democrat Hillary's doing life in prison. Right. I mean, it's just <laughs> Stacey Abrams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, with a life without parole. Uh, conspiracy to uh, make a false statement and aiding an insurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was it an insurrection? Because you would have to have then conspiracy for that. And there has been no evidence presented unless there was evidence presented in the grand jury. Well, if the DOJ is moving on this and, I, there's no reason to believe that they're not. I don't know why Trump would say it if they're not. If he has, if because he's either been contacted or he hasn't, and you wouldn't say it if it's if it's actually not happening. And every time he's brought something up, there was something that that happened, you know, weeks or maybe a month later. And if the DOJ is moving on this, man, if you don't believe in the two tier justice system, I'm. Really, really, really curious to see what they would have here. I just don't see anything in regards to January 6th. Nothing. Yeah. uh, The first speech was handled poorly. And we know that because they decided for they decided or statement. They decided at the White House and he agreed to make a second statement. That's not against the law. Yeah, uh, I and and so I just don't, um, I don't know where they're going. No, I, and, and we've gone through this all before. Yeah, you know we've gone we've gone. This isn't the first time, you know that we've gone through it. And you look at it, and it's just like I just don't, I don't know where they're Man, going. Man, if this is another weak attempt by the DOJ. I mean, you've already got the polls right now showing most Americans believe that, yeah, this is politically motivated. And if this is going to, if they're going to just do this again, they, I guess they're, I don't know. The only motivation is to, what, motivate your base? Are they worried that people won't show up and vote for Biden? They should be. Yeah, that's um, that's your DOJ. That's Merrick Garland, everybody. I'm very curious, very curious to see what, what kind of case they would have here. Just looking here, the insurrection on January 6th was a rally that turned into a riot. Hmm. As far as we know, there isn't any allegation that Mr. Trump was secretly urging on instigators, such as Oath Keepers or Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. There's been much loose talk about January 6th as an attempted coup, but Mr. Trump lacks support from his own military, his own White House lawyers, and most, if not all, of his cabinet, senior leaders at the Justice Department, senior legislative leaders in contested states, and his own vice president. Yeah. And they talk about it uh, uh, here, uh, just how they view it legally. When Mr. Trump pressured Vice President Mike Pence to reject Electoral College votes, He was following a crackpot legal theory that claimed to represent the true meaning of the Constitution. It was floated by John Eastman, the former law professor 
whom the committee also referred to the Justice Department. Mm -hmm. But giving rotten legal advice isn't illegal. It's not illegal. We talked about that. Because if that's what if if, you know, if that's what they're saying constitutes a a, what is it? Conspiracy to make a false statement. Mr. Trump's ultimate goal wasn't to obstruct the congressional session on January 6th. He just wanted it to go his way. Yeah, there you go. Now, and this is according to the Wall Street Journal, this was nonsense. It had no chance of success. Mm-hmm. But was it a crime to lobby Mr. Pence to try? Mr. No. Pence said Monday, no, he doesn't believe it is. Mr. Trump has a right to argue that the 2020 election was stolen, even if he knows it means misleading his followers. Politicians dissemble all the time. The Justice Department's job isn't to police partisan deceit as criminal conspiracy. Right. No, it's only a crime if Trump and does it. Now, they wrote this, and this goes back all the way to uh, last year when, you know, the December, you know, when the January 6th committee came up with their, uh, um, with, uh, you know, these these uh, uh, four criminal you know, supposed criminal charges. Mm -hmm. The Justice Department has evidence that isn't public, and perhaps it's turned up proof of a broader conspiracy to take over the government with Mr. Trump as the mastermind, but we have a hard time believing such information wouldn't have already leaked to the press since everything else involving Mr. Trump does. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's where you look look at this and you just go, where where are they going on this? It would have to be something that we haven't learned yet. And I refuse to believe there's anything on January 6th that that we haven't learned because the liberal media would have learned it. The proof to support such a charge would have to be undeniable with a legal theory straightforward enough to convince most of the country, including most Republicans. Otherwise, it would cleave the country in two. And it might even help uh, Mr. Trump in rallying supporters to his defense. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm thinking <laughs> oh, this, of, this is last December. They're writing right. this. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of, um, you know, uh, spring, early, early 24. You know, spring, maybe early summer of 24 and all these cases just imploding. You know, and that would require on on the one case, on the documents case, his lawyers to get it dismissed. And, you know, that's. I think as days go by, many people believe that's a longer and longer shot for that to happen. But the point being is that these weak cases, if all of a sudden they go away because a judge dismisses them, one or a number of them, different judges, of course. If judges are dismissing these cases in the summer of 24 when things are heating up and he's the nominee, ouch. I mean, you're just you're just setting it up. There is, look, we 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 looked at the documents case and said, okay, you know, there's here's what you know would need to happen for this to either go away or, or for them to to win this. Here's what the prosecution needs to win this, and you you know you kind of break it down that way. Of all the cases right now, that's probably the strongest against him, and I don't know how strong that is because we don't know again right. everything they're going to. But uh, but, but just like the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden thing, the biggest problem 
you know, for Hunter Biden is the laptop Mm -hmm. with the things that he said. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem for Trump in the documents case is what he said. Right. Yes. Hard evidence. The hard evidence is greater in the Hunter Biden case. Yes. Yes, it is much, much stronger. But I'm yes. But but I'm just taking one section of it. Right. The, The big problem is with with Hunter Biden is the laptop and the things he said, because all the things that are is evidence against him or emails or whatever, mm-hmm. the things that he said, the things that he wrote, the things. And yeah, so that's always in a court of law. Uh, that's something that could put it over the top. Uh, and sure. with Trump in the case, we just shook our heads saying he doesn't know when to shut up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't believe because of where the president is where every ex-president is on documents that probably anybody should be prosecuted here. Right. Unless Biden and the documents was related to using that material to get a bribe, if that was the case. Right. But if it's just classified. As a part of that case. Right. As as just classified materials. Right. No. Right. No. No. Because then, then you're going to go with that from now until the end. That's going to be used as a political weapon and a president with classified material, even an ex president is a unique situation that doesn't apply to any other American. Right. And of course a two tier system of justice with, with, uh, which is with what Hillary did. Uh, or you can look at with, with, uh, uh, Biden because he wasn't president mm-hmm. at that right. point with right. all of his, right. Eight, six, six, 90 red eye coming up more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Detroit Radio, he's Eric Honey, and I'm Gary McNamara. Whistleblowers. It's Whistleblower Day. Whistleblower Wednesday. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Gary Shapley and Whistleblower X, who will be identified, will testify later on today. We'll get to that and more on the way. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. Whistleblower Wednesday. It's Whistleblower Wednesday, that's right. We, um, you know, we had the the whistleblowers that were out there for the weaponization of government. 
Mm-hmm. Was that about two months ago? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Time is flying by. I don't yeah. know. If it was a month. Yeah. I don't know if it was a month ago or two months ago, six weeks ago. I think it was sometime in the past. <laughs> I narrow it down. And part of the problem for the Democrats is the the uh, the polling. Whatever polls you show, uh, whatever polls that come out, not we're not showing anything. <laughs> they they come out. We have nothing to do with showing them, but whatever whatever polls come out show uh, that the American public and the majority of public uh, are heading in the direction that it's a two tier justice system, mm-hmm. and that is a huge problem. The whistleblowers today, which will be uh, Gary Shapley and whistleblower X, who will be identified. Oh. At the uh, the hearing, according to uh, Comer, uh, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. uh, and what does Comer expect to accomplish? This is Comer on CBS News yesterday with Catherine uh, Herridge. Mm-hmm. What is the goal of the IRS whistleblower testimony? Well, we want this to be a very substantive hearing. Uh, two goals I have is number one to determine whether or not there were crimes committed by the Biden family, and number two, to determine whether or not our federal government has obstructed in the IRS investigation of criminal activity by the Biden family. You recently heard from a former senior FBI official about this investigation. What can you share? Well, I can share that he 100 percent confirmed what the whistleblower said with respect to their investigation being obstructed. Uh, the whistleblower confirmed what the whistleblowers told the Ways and Means Committee in the transcribed interview that the day before they were set to interview Hunter Biden about criminal activity, that the Secret Service and the Biden transition team were both tipped off and uh, warned Hunter Biden. And then mysteriously, this interview never took place after that. So that's very concerning. That would lead one to believe that there was obstruction of this investigation that was on cbs mm. so it's being covered yeah yeah and, yeah and i what i would expect later on today what the republicans goal is the republicans goal i think would be twofold number one to have the irs agents say why they believe hunter should be charged with the felony Uh, And secondly, I expect Republicans to get to the point of talking about the actual money trail and whether they believe the money trail went to Biden. Because if they just go after Hunter, that's not enough. Yeah, right. Because the target now, you do want to do this because of the, the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden is getting. That I understand. But the the political target here. For the Republicans uh, is Joe Biden, mm. and so it's twofold. You want to, you want uh, the IRS agents to talk about how the how Hunter Biden did not pay his taxes, why it should be a felony, and if you can tie in uh, Joe Biden, because I don't know what the Republicans have, and I don't know what the whistleblowers are going to say you know, where where they were on this, to whether they believe, because they've been looking at all of this, whether they are concerned or whether there is evidence 
of everything that we have talked about, which would also be money laundering with all the different LLCs. Because if you get into Hunter Biden setting up all the different LLCs or what, you know, you get into this point, who set up all these LLCs and did it go to the entire family? Your whole thing is to expand it from Hunter to there. And then the next point would be to promote the fact that there's rot in the Department of Justice. Right. Those are the two things that you would wish to accomplish if they're they're Republicans. If you're the Democrats, I think the only thing that you have, who was it? Some other Democrat came out yesterday and just said, uh, was it Democrat? I can't remember. No, it was a former aide of Giuliani. Mm. Came out and said, they should just drop this. There's nothing there. Well, it's pretty, most Americans would say, if you just said, if the Republicans said, we're going to drop it, most Americans would say, and I and I mean most Americans, I'm talking about Republicans and many independents would say, well, wait a minute, I got a question. Why were there 20 LLCs? Yeah. Why did the Biden family get all this money? What were they doing? You have to answer those questions to the American public. And and so whenever I hear that, I'm like, OK, that's just that's just a partisan because those questions have to be answered. It's not like you're saying there's no evidence of you know, money moving around to enrich a family, obviously there is and everybody knows it. And what the Democrats are saying and the partisans are saying is that uh, we just don't want to bring that up. Yeah, we're just we're just going to say we're, we're not. And, and we, you know, we had talked yesterday about uh, Glenn Kessler looking at the entire thing, but ag- ignoring the bribes, the 20 LLCs, the money moving the suspicious activity reports, the Democrats have a very hard time here because the only thing I can see them trying to do is don't be surprised if they come up with some type of dirt or what they believe is dirt on Shapley. Now, whistleblower X, it will be hard to come up with dirt because nobody knows who he is or she is at the moment. Right. We just don't whistleblower X. And if they have dirt on whistleblower X... That means there was an illegal leak. Well, and, you know, we expected the the attack on the whistleblowers to come at some point. Shapley is known. And we still really haven't seen much on that. And this is where, again, the left media would use all of their resources to go after and, and tear basically tear this case down. The only thing they've done is poor Hunter had a drug problem. And Joe is just a dad trying to protect his son who had a drug problem. Haven't heard that a lot the last week. No, you haven't. Because it's weak. This was love between a father and his son. And Burisma. And and China and in other nations maybe and and their bank accounts. It's none of our business. <laughs> I like that. I, I want to hear Jamie Raskin come out. This is their own personal financial stuff. We need to stay out of it. We need to stay out of it. You Since when did we attack the children of a president? <laughs> <laughs> it was wrong with Amy Carter, and That's it's right. wrong now. It's wrong. <laughs> Poor little Hunter. Boy, I'm going way, way back. 
I'm going way, way back with that one, aren't I? Wow. How old is Amy now? I'm almost going back 50 years. Wow. Well, she has to be, I'm going to guess what, 57, 56? You're looking it up, aren't you? Yeah, 55. 55, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, and (laughs) I just aged myself there, didn't I? Um, and you know, there, you you really don't have anything. And as we've stated all along, no matter what any of the Democrats say, or the partisans uh, on this say, the thing you can't get by is the suspicious activity reports and the 20 LLCs and money moving to, uh, at least nine different members of the Biden family. Mm. The public wants an answer to that. You're until you, excuse me. Mm. You're right. All right. Vapor yes. Yeah. Until you, wow. Until you answer that question. No, it's, th- it's not over. Yeah. Now this is, um, you know, look, there are so many huge questions that are the, wow. <clears throat> what the hell? Like, What's their business? What is the family business? Right. What were they what, what were they selling? Why what, was the family getting Why them? were these banks so concerned that these, you know, all these SARS reports that came up? You know, you could deposit large you can deposit. It happens all the time. I mean, not with people like us. But wealthy people who run companies and and have money move money around all the time. Why would they be doing that? What's the business behind it? And typically, you go into a bank, and a bank might ask questions. And if they have a lot of questions, they're going to make sure that they cover their own backside with the IRS, and they're going to have a SARS report. And you have a great number of SARS reports here, and you have a movement. You know, we still haven't really gotten into the movement of the money, the bank records. And the back and forth of that money is going to tell a story. And and there's two things. First off, uh, you had Comer last week say financial statements or uh, would more would be coming out this week. We have not yet had that. Mm-hmm. That has not yet happened. Right. Yeah, uh, right. and and the other thing is because you have the two IRS investigators have been looking at this for years. They've been following this for years. Mm-hmm. Do they know much more about the money trail than Republicans have let on to the public? Mm. What do they know, and what questions will the Democrats ask them? Right. I can see uh, probably some questions. Did you vote for Trump? Because mm. one of the things is. All of this, this is going on, and and this is where I believe, you know, we we may come to conclusions you don't, you know, you might not like, and maybe some conclusions that you do like, but the fact is, we're not afraid to cover any of the accusations of the Democrats and tear them apart. Right. You, that's one thing that you see from uh, the mainstream media; they don't cover a lot of this. We cover everything. Uh, because our first goal is to get to the truth. If somebody is crooked and some politician on the right is taking bribes, 
we want that exposed. Yeah. And so when in any particular case, including the case, we did the same with Trump. Where's the evidence? There's still a lot of evidence we don't know when it comes to the Biden family enterprise. But we do know that they were raking in millions of dollars. And the question is, why? And you heard uh, going back, and you don't even hear this much anymore. Well, the the the, the Trump family, remember that one? Mm. The Trump family, uh, they make money because of their name. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, they make money because of their business that they're in. Yeah, now, they, now, they actually, you could make the case that they gave up earnings potential, a great deal of earnings potential based on Donald Trump becoming president. Right. And the conflict, not the other way right. around. And the conflicts of interest uh, that Democrats believe existed on Trump were there early on. Mm-hmm. Remember, and when, remember you when think you, had, you need to yeah. investigate it and you've got something, then investigate it. Yeah, investigate it. Because Trump hasn't been investigated enough. Yeah, there. If you want to add on to the two tier justice system, then go ahead. Uh, do they do they classify that under infrastructure? <laughs> we're, we're shoring up the two tier justice system, rebuilding the roads to the two tier justice system, and the bridges. <laughs> the, the bridges. <laughs> we're, we're, we're repairing the roads and bridges. To the two-tier justice system. <laughs> I like that. That's Infrastructure. Good. That, that has great comedic potential. <laughs> um, and that is the one thing that I wonder, whether there'll be questions from Republicans, whether they already know about, well, what do you know? You've been on this. You know, how many accounts? I, I want to get into the specifics is is tomorrow is tomorrow is today the opportunity for republicans to start on the money trail because mm. that's key and will it be the beginning especially when comer teased it last week that we're going to find out you know more things that will absolutely shock americans well you've got these irs these these irs agents who are supposedly top of the line agents mm-hmm well, if they are, there's a ton of questions I would ask. Did Do you believe that money went to Joe Biden? Did Joe Biden report the money that went to him if the answer is yes? Right. How much? You saw that Biggs came out the other er, yesterday and said it could be $100 million. First thing I thought of was don't exaggerate. If it's not, don't yeah, exaggerate. Yeah, don't, don't. Now, for some reason, I've had $50 million in my mind. Yes. And I don't know why that number is stuck in my mind. It may be because somebody said it at one point. We think it could be. And then I just kind of it just kind of sat there in the back of my mind. I don't I really don't know why 50 million was in my mind. And I've said this before it. But I don't know how how much it is. Eight six six ninety red eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. 
Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Here is Representative Andy Biggs yesterday on uh, Fox uh, Business. Maria, we're talking literally, it's not $10 million. It's, it's well over $20, $30 million, and some estimates as high as $100 million flowing through uh, the, the, these, these accounts. And so uh, it, it, we have to get to the bottom of it, but, but we're, we're getting slow-walked ourselves from the administration, obviously, and their and their partisans and their supporters, um, but but this looks more and more uh, sinister every time we look at it. And I, I just if we could release the SARS, which we cannot, they're they're classified yet. But those those suspicious activities reports um, will be corroborated by these whistleblowers tomorrow. You know, he threw out the hundred and you know some estimates without backing it up, and the first thing. You get I me. Mean, here's a headline on YouTube. Andy Biggs suggests without evidence, Biden's took a hundred million. Mm-hmm. You know, the Democrats will try. You you run this like a criminal investigation. You only tell what you know, right? Because the Democrats will attempt to use anything that you say. And I don't know. Maybe he's seen it where he believes it. But when he just says, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically estimates say well, what estimates. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 
Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Uh, I I think that, you know, you, when, you, when you look at any investigation that's going on, either criminal or um, uh, or even or, or political, there comes to a point where you say, all right, uh, enough of, you know, enough of the evidence that, you know, that is leading you in a particular direction. It's time to close the deal with the American public. You know what I mean? Or, or if time to close the deal with the jury, time to close the deal with the American uh, public. I hope the beginning of that starts today with the IRS whistleblowers. You know, when I just heard Big say, well, uh, you know, we uh, the, the SARS reports are still classified. Uh, why? Is that because the Department of Justice is keeping them classified? Why would they be classified and when when can they be unclassified if Congress is doing an investigation? How can Congress do an investigation if everything remains classified? And does that mean the majority of members of Congress can't see what's going on there? We know the generalities that these SARS reports exist. When can they become open? Or can only the Department of Justice do that if it's a criminal trial? Those are the questions that I have because I'm... I think most people, look, we get it all the time where our listeners will say, but where is this going to lead? Well, there does come a point. It's like, okay, where is this going to lead? Because it does come across, even if it's incorrect, because there's a certain time frame that it takes. When the Republicans were in office two months, you had Republicans complaining, how come they don't have anything against Biden yet? Well, they've only been in office. They've only been there for two months. They're, the committees are, are moving forward. But we all know in what direction this is going. Are the Republicans just going to continue to make it drip, 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 drip because it is politically advantageous for them or that they have no other way to proceed because uh, they're being held back by the Department of Justice and by the Democrats and by the executive branch because they're going after the leader of the executive branch. Uh, if so, I think they need to be clear. I'm still not happy with the way they've communicated all of this. If you were to ask me, say I'm probably 65% pleased. But there's a lot of things that you can answer questions right at the very beginning. You could hold press conferences and say, here are the questions that are being asked out there. And we're going to address them. Now, they may not even be questions that are that have been addressed because reporters aren't asking the right questions, but they're questions that should be that should be answered. What was the one we well, said last week that we're like we can't? Oh, on on uh, on Director on, Ray on Director Ray. Yeah, yeah. Why uh, it, did you tell Comer or not that the FD ten twenty three existed or not? Right. Did you tell them? And and did you tell them before they told you? Is this how it went down? And that question was never, which amazes me. It should because, have been the first right, question. Because the, the number one thing you're attempting to do as a Republican Party is discredit a witness that you believe is working against you and is not telling you the truth. And if you can destroy their credibility with question number one, that's what you do to this day. To this day, and that was a week ago now, we still haven't had that from the Republicans, you know, where they said we should have asked this question. Or even when uh, I saw the story yesterday 
where the Republicans said, we went to Ray and wrote him a letter and said, you need to address these things and maybe back off your testimony because we view these as being lies. Mm -hmm. None of them addressed the question of, again, and when I read it, I go, okay, they must have never asked the question because I've never been able to find where they asked that question. Director Ray, did you tell Representative Comer that there was no such FD-23 that existed until he and Grassley told you they had already seen it. Is that true? And if you did not tell them, why did you lie to them? Why wasn't that question asked? You and I the night before, that was the number one question that we said we would ask. Never came up. Why yeah. not? Um, and, you know, because, and, and and I would think, I would hope that each committee involved here has a collective approach that leadership on the committee is talking to all of the GOP members on the committee and they're going through something and basically coming up with a plan of what you are looking to get from that day's hearing, what you're looking to accomplish and how on that day and days leading up to it, they didn't come up with that. All right, somebody needs to lead with this question. Whoever's going to do the first questions, this needs to be number one. And it gets back to what we have said with Comer. Comer uh, all along has not been putting out uh, a real briefing as to, look, this is where we are and this is... It may sound repetitive to members of the committee. It may sound competitive to leadership on the committee. It is not repetitive to the American people, Mm -hmm. to the people who are not living this day to day. It's important you line this out and say, this is what we believe has happened. Based on what we know so far, this is what we believe has happened. And you have to do that repeatedly, and you have to update that because it seems like we're getting new information every week. And there's no telling what we'll learn today. But it is imperative that it is lined out that there is a uh, – and, and if you have to do a presser before or after, you line it out for the American people. Here's what we believe happened. Here's what we – know so far based on testimony based on documents we have seen based on what we have and you don't throw something out there like well we it's we believe it could be a hundred million dollars being messed around or or estimates or estimates believe you know uh, say that it could be a hundred million dollars you don't do that even in the media you don't do that we know you're not at a hearing but it doesn't matter. You don't do that in the media because the thing is, is that if you can't bring that and demonstrate that, ultimately, you're going to lose the confidence of the American people. They're going to start to think, well, these guys are a bunch of blowhards. And once again, they're just it's just political motivation and they're going after Biden. And it's purely political that there's really nothing here. You're going to have to demonstrate these things. Now, we're not to that point at all. yet. No, we're not. But you're going to have to demonstrate these things along the way as if you are in court. Yeah. 
and don't you don't have because look you can say we believe there could be more you could say that and still keep your integrity there may be it may be over a hundred million but if you don't have anything to back that up at that moment don't go that far when i said 50 million in my mind again for some reason it was stuck there but i also knew i also realized in in reasoning and critical thinking that well 50 million sounds like a lot now then i forget when it was but it's like okay now we're up to possibly 27 million Mm -hmm. right with all the okay all right that's a lot of money and then eyebrows start to raise and you demonstrate that, and they did with the twenty-seven million. They said, "Okay, we've got this, and we've got this." But you need to approach it with sure footing each step of the way. Yeah, that you're not exaggerating any part of it. You don't need to exaggerate any part of it. You don't need to do what uh, Democrats did with Russia collusion, which was lie about everything. Right, and and they made it up as they went along. Right. You don't need to do that here. And as long as you have, and we know the SARS reports exist, and, you know, you, it seems like some of the Republicans are getting frustrated. I wish uh, we would have found out from Biggs, well, why, is, why are the SARS reports classified? And, you know, when can they be declassified? What's the process? You know, what's the process of that? Now, they're not being... When we say declassified, it's not, I believe, that they're top secret. Right. I believe yeah. it's because they're financial records. Yes. Right. There's somebody's personal financial records. But once, and this is a question I would have, when you politically prove the wrongdoing, when you can go from point to point to point to point and say, you know, this is what it is. Now, you may not be able to release the actual records, but can you tell the American public what's in it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, right. we already know. Yeah. How much they, of it can you, we've already, can well, you relate we, to They've us, already right? talked about that, though. Because, And my next question, well, does it matter? Because you've already talked about the three million that was distributed. The only way you would know that is through the SARS report. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've already, you know, the three million that went to everybody in the Biden, you know, family and the different amounts. You yeah. can only know that through the SARS report. Knowing the different accounts that it was, that it was, you know, that they were that they were going into. So and and with Comer, what he said last week, he implied <clears throat> that there was going to be new information based on bank records. He didn't imply; he said it. Well, what he <laughs> said was, he said, you know, we're going to have some uh, some new information next week, and something something about uh, this may lie, but the bank records don't don't lie, or something mm-hmm. like that. To that effect. And so the way that he paired those two made it sound like we're going to see bank records. And if you're promising that, deliver that. Don't don't go out on a limb and say, well, you know, and because we've seen that before. We've been saying this all along the way. Don't Adam Schiff this. This needs to be, and, and by the way, on a lot of things, on, on most everything, I mean, I don't know, the majority of things, they have been. 
But there, there again, has to be if we're if you're going to demonstrate this to the American people, it's imperative. I believe that the president is compromised. Many people believe that he is compromised. If he is, time is of the essence. There is no there is no rational explanation and they're not trying to give one. Right. They're just ignoring it as if it didn't happen. Right. And their media allies will not focus on the totality of the influence peddling mm-hmm. that has gone on. Nobody has that answer. Yeah. And all you get from the Democrats and the media is they'll either focus on, as we saw with Glenn Kessler yesterday, one specific allegation, but forget to add in a ton of other things like the, you know, the 1023 and Mm -hmm. uh, the movement of the money and the 20 LLCs and all that the money going to nine Biden family members, they won't address that because they can't. They can't without drawing suspicion to the Biden family and President Biden. It's that simple. Right. They can't. That's the problem the Democrats have. It's a problem they're going to continue to have. And that is the American public does not buy that the 20 LLCs and the money going to nine different family members, at least, that nobody has tried to defend the American public is until they get an answer, they're not going to buy that somehow that was legitimate. Right. Right. That's the problem the Democrats have. That's the problem that Joe Biden has. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. I, I love the, the, you saw the headlines <laughs> out there the last couple of days. Democrats have an anti-Semitism problem. Duh. <laughs> they, it's like, like people just woke up. <laughs> well, yeah, of course they do. And they also have an identity politics, which is racism problem. <laughs> yeah, it's been going on for a while. Right, this isn't, this isn't new just because people choose to ignore the and by the way, the identity politics, which is the racist part of the Democratic Party, is mainstream throughout the entire Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. The anti-Semitism seems to be with, I think, uh, well, yesterday it was roughly nine members that uh, uh, voted against supporting Israel. And then Jayapal coming out and, and uh, you know, having to back off when she said that uh, Israel is racist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the anti-Semitism problem wreaks its ugly head again. Again. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Hello. It's Whistleblower Wednesday. Whistleblower Wednesday. (laughs) Wednesday. All right. We haven't talked about this on the air or off the air. Hmm. All right. So my question to you is, do you believe these two stories are related? This from the Daily Mail. Dr. Anthony Fauci was tonight accused of lying under oath over his knowledge of the dangerous virus research in China, which is feared to have caused the pandemic. Daily Mail can reveal that Senator Rand Paul, a Republican from Kentucky, wrote to Attorney General Merrick Garland last week calling for an investigation into whether Dr. Fauci committed perjury when he testified in front of a Senate committee in 2021. In a showdown with Republicans, including uh, Senator Paul, in July of that year, Dr. Fauci testified uh, 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 that his former department has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, Dr. Fauci was the former director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases until the end of 2022 and was responsible for signing off on research grants. Yet newly released emails dated February 1st, 2020 show Fauci acknowledged that scientists in Wuhan University are known, uh, this here it is, it's a quote, scientists in Wuhan University are known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments to determine that molecular mechanisms associated with bad viruses adapting to human infection and the outbreak originated in Wuhan, end of quote. Perjury is a federal offense. It carries up to five years in prison, while the emails show that Fauci was aware of gain-of-function going on at the lab, he never admitted that the NIH funded it in in those uh, uh, emails. But the Government Accountability Office determined last month that the Wuhan Institute of Virology and Wuhan University did receive NIH funding, Senator Paul said in his letter uh, to Merrick Garland. Uh, On July 13, 2023, the House Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus Pandemic released the emails sent by Dr. Fauci about a conference call regarding the origins of COVID attended by Dr. Fauci, Dr. Francis Collins, former director of the National uh, Human Genome Research Institute, and other researchers. In one email, Dr. Fauci admits that scientists had concerns that COVID might have been genetically engineered and that these were worsened by the fact that gain-of-function research was taking place in Wuhan before the pandemic. Mm. Gain-of-function research is a medical research. Is medical research that genetically alters a virus to make it more deadly or infectious to try and get ahead of the natural mutations that might occur. At the hearing in July, Fauci stated that the NIH has never and does not now fund gain-of-function research uh-huh. uh, in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Paul said in a, com- in 
the committee chamber, and yet gain-of-function research was done entirely in the Wuhan Institute and was funded by the NIH. Now, that's one story, okay? Right. And that story, actually, it did, it did come out last week. Mm. And then there's this story from late last night. The U.S. government suspends funding so that the Wuhan lab does not receive another dollar over stonewalling COVID, the COVID probe. Mm-hmm. The U.S. government has scrapped funding for the controversial Wuhan Institute of Virology, which has long been scrutinized as the possible origin of COVID-19 after the facility didn't fork over documents about safety and security, according to the report. Biden's White House took the action Monday, according to a memo obtained by Bloomberg News. Oh. Is that the White House waving the white flag in all of this because of what now has come out and saying, OK, we can no longer take the position that we have? Attempting basically to disarm anything that may be coming. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah, clearly. They know they can't win this now. No, they, they it was or, or stall it or right, yeah, or hide it right. Uh, and what was the when we were gone? Uh, was it on vacation, or was it last week when I was gone? Uh, the report that leaked that came out that talked about well, and this was the report was from twenty one. And said, there's no evidence yet of manipulation in the lab, but it's clear that it came from the lab. We believe that it came from the lab. And it was a it was a, a report. It was a GOP-related report. I'll go back and find it, the story. Um, but it's, you know, it's an older report. But the point is they knew, they knew then, or they believed they knew that then. We've always put it out there as a question. Two possibilities came for the wet markets. It came from the lab there. Not too difficult. And then beyond that, okay, what about the manipulation? What about the American money going into this to manipulate this to make it more dangerous to humans? Well, for us, it was Fauci changing the definition of chain, of gain of function. Playing the, the word at, game. At that hearing. That Playing the back, word game. Yeah. That probably goes back to 21. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe even before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I remember that moment where he said, no, we didn't do it. And then later on, it's like, right. well, no, they changed the definition to gain of function. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't care whether you well, change the definition. It's, did you manipulate? Did you attempt to genetically manipulate the virus so it becomes more transferable to humans? Right. That's the question. Right. Whatever label you decide to call it doesn't matter to me. Right. Is that what you were doing? Because that's what the American public needs to know. And that should not have been censored by the government through the media. Well, and it. I wonder, too, what the... Administration knows about what the, the what GOP in the House may have and what they may be looking at on their agenda. You know, I mean, they're pretty busy with the Hunter thing right now. But you know, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. 
um, as long as it's not gum from a lab that's dealing with viruses. And they can they probably have this on the agenda. The administration knows that eventually they are going to get to it. So what's your best bet? Well, try and act like you're proactive. And I think that's what this move is. But you're not going to convince anybody of that. There's still going to be great concern. You can't change what has already happened. No. And you can't change the bogus response by by Fauci uh, essentially since this all began. You can't change how he responded. You can't change how this administration responded. And over and over again, we see this where it appears like the Biden administration is is either going to ignore everything or they're just going to try and, you know, lob something out in this case that they believe is going to disarm the whole thing. It's not going to do it's not going to do you any good. Because what's done is done. It's not going to change history. It's not going to change um, everything leading up till now. You know what I'm wondering? I because we see, as you know, uh, the Camp Lejeune commercials. How many mm. times did we yeah, see those? Yeah. I'm still seeing them. Yeah, yeah. I saw. And that, I I heard right. one the other day. Yeah. But and and we know that uh, you know everybody has, I guess, their hammer lawyer that you know looking mm-hmm. at if you've got yeah. an automobile accident or truck. If a truck hits you, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know they've actually specified for accidents now. Mm-hmm. Truck, we go after the company. More money. Mm-hmm. Um. And but I just wonder, because of the number of companies that fired people, fired them based on the fact that they didn't get the vaccine and therefore were firing you because you could spread it. And that was false. I mean, that well, that was that was true. But I mean, it was if you got the vaccine you could still it was based on false information spread it right yeah. they fired you based on false information and at the same time defamed your character basically as somebody who you know well this is a person we fired them because they wouldn't get it and so they're not a team player right. they were willing to harm other people yeah they're they're uh they're right. a crazy anti-vaxxer right uh, whatever it right. might be i just wonder whether that in in the next year or so you're going to see the trial lawyers go wow there's a ton of money here. oh i think they're i think they're we're, already lined up where i'm i'm convinced they are and you're mm-hmm. right now you're not seeing the cases um but they're they are coming together because i don't know how you they're Calculators are probably smoking it about right now in terms of all the damage to not just the one person, but collectively anybody in that group. My gosh, there's no telling how big the lawsuits will be. Uh, Class action is almost a sure bet for the larger companies. That's going to be a given. Because if they took that action against individuals based on false information, and then, now, here's the question and the defense of that and and for any claim, we were going based on what the CDC told us. 
We were going based on what Fauci told us. We were going based on government guidelines at the time. The thing was, is that it was known at some point, at one point, it reached a threshold of being known that you could still spread the virus if you were vaccinated. Well, the other thing was that the, haven't the pharmaceutical companies come out and said, well, we never made that claim. We just said, I here's think the vaccine. One of them, I that think the, one that of the them government did. made that claim. Right. We didn't make it. Right. Yeah, those were not our guidelines. But if that, and if that is right. the case. I remember is, that was, and again, yeah. that was an accusation. But I mean, right. has that, has, uh, you, you know, will that ever be, Oh, vetted legally, vetted legally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I don't I I don't know. But, you know, when you look back at it and I was thinking about this yesterday, when you think about it, everything. That the government is involved in, you know, and I guess I go back to Peggy Noonan when this is about six months into the Biden presidency. And she remember she wrote everything is broken. Mm -hmm. Basically everything. Now everything is corrupt. Yeah. And you look back at it and you go back to see, you know, the weaponization of government. If you're just an average person out there, if you're a Democrat, you may be screaming, but you really aren't talking about the facts. When you see the weaponization of government, when you think about it. And you and I've talked about you go back to October of 2020 and the FBI knew that it was Hunter's laptop and these 51 intelligent intelligence uh, uh you know, former executives or whatever you want to call them, you know, put together this letter with the cooperation of the Biden campaign uh, with the insistence or the uh, nudge from the Biden campaign to say that this is, uh, you know, this is uh, the earmarks of Russian propaganda. And they had nothing to tell them that. And the FBI never said anything. Right. The FBI knew that that was bull. Mm -hmm. Didn't say a word. And allowed that to happen. And and so you look at the weaponization of government and then the censoring of of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Remember how big that was? Yeah. I remember yeah. I remember sitting in the front of my house. I don't know why, because I'm never in the front of my house, in my little front room that I have there. And I'm on the couch, and I think I was talking to you in the afternoon because stuff was coming down so quickly. And you and I rarely ever talk. We see each other all the time at night. Mm -hmm. We rarely ever, you know, text each other during the day. It has mm -hmm. to be something that's huge. Mm -hmm. I remember how huge that was. It was just unbelievable of what was going on. I think it was the day, you know, that they had said, you know, the New York Post, you know, your uh, this story gets. And then I know we were trying to see if we could find it. That was it. Right. We we're yeah. seeing if we could get through. And the story, remember, the story was still getting through on, on Twitter. And then uh, people started taking screenshots of the New York Post. And right. then, you know, yeah. they'd slowly get, you know, they'd slowly get banned. Mm -hmm. But more people were trying it. That's what it was. That, that yeah. was that day. And we were when this is really incredible. And we knew at that point that that was unprecedented in American history. Yeah. I mean, number one, we haven't had never had social media, but the attempt of government to censor. And then the same thing with COVID. Yeah. And you think about it, the vast majority of things that they wanted to censor because of disinformation, the disinformation was them attempting to censor it. Well, it, it makes you wonder how embedded 
the government was in in all and maybe still is, at least at uh, other social media houses outside of Twitter. I'm not sure that Elon Musk would allow that to happen. But in a world where the NSA has, you know, tremendous technical ability, um, do they need to be embedded like they were before Elon Musk in Twitter in, in order to control information? That The answer is no, they don't. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. And I think back to, um, you know, just my my talk radio career, which is, you know, 34 years as of beginning of October, which goes back to 89. But then I was paying attention to politics all the way through. <laughs> I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember Watergate. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I go back a lot further than that. I've never. On so many, so many different levels, I just don't ever remember the feeling of having such, the feeling based on the, you know, the specific realities of what's going on. Yeah. And not just yeah. a feeling of emotion, yeah. but the, the, the feeling that you, you look at. And, and I just, I've never felt the feeling that nothing works from government, from the federal government. Yeah. Nothing works, and the perception is everything is corrupt. Mm. Everything, not just the president, yeah, but law enforcement, yeah. the FBI, mm. Department of Justice, intelligence agencies. Now, now the 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 military head, you know, the heads of the military, yeah, you know everything going on. I mean, the crap that in order to have readiness, we need to have. Uh, we need to have abortion tourism, mm. and we mm-hmm. need to have transgender, blah, blah, blah. That's a load of manure, and everybody mm-hmm. knows it. Mm-hmm. Everything is tainted. Everything is corrupt. And everything is insane. With Yeah, with you these know, it's really not, bizarre overtones. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. not it's not just corrupt. It's insane. None of it makes sense. They're trying to sell things that are unsellable to the American public. And they still do it every day with a confidence and an arrogance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're we're at that point where people are looking and they're shaking their heads because Democrats used to be really good at just kind of boiling the frog slowly. Now they're butchering the frog in front of the children and <laughs> yeah. throwing it into the fire directly. Great analogy, you know? Great analogy. Listening to Red Eye Radio 
from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Curly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Sorry, just uh, too much going on. Well, it is Whistleblower Wednesday. Oh, that's true. Chock full. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'm anxious to see what um, what we're going to learn. Um, and I did get, I, I got a ton of errands to run tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday I was actually doing, because I'm going uh, going out of town for my uh, high school reunion, just happy hour on Friday, then I have a family reunion that I really want to go to. Um, Is this really a happy hour? Is it happy? <laughs> I, I'm I'm waiting for the response to this. There was somebody who posted that. I, I don't know if I'm going to go because I heard there was another. There's a bunch of high school reunions. And there's always high school reunions going on. So, well, what, in, well in did town. you graduate from a bunch but, of high schools? No, I mean. <laughs> no, that wasn't that wasn't the thing. I heard in another high school reunion that some people are reporting now that they that, that they held it a couple of weeks ago. Some people are reporting they've got COVID. So I'm not going to go. Oh, okay. Uh. And so I'm waiting. Well, I'm waiting. Don't forget your mask. But I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for the pushback. And it's like, you know, we're not as young as we used to be. We need to pay attention to our health. I'm like, okay. Uh, what if they're going to advocate? That's fine. Uh, but don't masks. leave the house for uh, anything. Actually, it is a happy hour. The 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 best thing is <laughs> where they're holding it is the place that is uh, is actually it's a it's a golf dome. Now, the inside golf dome is closed because for the summer because they open up the outdoor range. Okay. But it's a great golf dome. I've, I've been there already when I've been back, I think, twice this year mm. just to hit golf balls. And so they have a, they have a bar, uh, you know, outside of, you know, out, the bars open all year long. They've got a patio and everything else. All right. And, and they've got, you know, banquet rooms. And so that's where they're holding the reunion. It's like, Right. Okay, there I, I I can do that. It's only ten minutes from my dad's house. In fact, I'll be flying in. I get in mm, Friday like four fifty, and I'm going to stop by dad's house, say hi, and then it's only a ten minute ride, and mm-hmm. uh, that's like at seven o'clock. And I'm going because I I did, never went to any reunion reunion until my fortieth, hmm. and that's because my buddy Doug said, come on, you got to go. You got to go. Then another uh, 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 friend of mine, uh, uh, Jack, is actually the assistant coach of – he's retired now, and and he was in coaching and teaching his whole life. But uh, he's uh, helping his son. He's assistant basketball coach of the the team that uh, my great-nephew plays on. Mm. So it's like, okay, I'll go. I'll Mm -hmm. go. And yeah, the woman that I spent forty years going, oh wow, she's so beautiful. She's going to be there. All right, the one that at my fortieth reunion I went, oh there she is, there she is. Oh I remember her. Mm-hmm. Okay, she looks a little bit like it. And then she's like, just she was so negative. <laughs> I hate my life. I hate everything. I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. I like I don't like my kids. I'm divorced. I hate where I live. So it's I, not going to be a happy hour. <laughs> well. <laughs> well <laughs> Uh, well, you take the happy right out of the hour. As, as as I did say, wow, I wasted four years. I wasted four years. Well, actually, three years in high school. Mm. I wasted three years in high school, and then forty years 
after lusting over something that I had no business. Mm. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> I wasted a lot, a lot of my mind on something I shouldn't have. See, you live and learn, don't you? Yeah, I don't, you know, I go to personal reunions. I don't go to high school reunions. I they've, they've never made sense to me. Yeah, I just I'm I'm going because I know a couple of people and and uh and the thing is it's a little bit different because I have kept more in touch with uh with people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. A lot more of the people I knew in high school and I was not in any uh click in high school at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just I had my group uh, of friends and and um you know uh my friends from Del Rio we had a reunion in 99 and from that point forward we said well wait a minute we're just hanging out over here in the corner just as friends why don't we just have our own reunion and we've had one almost every year since i told you that at my 40th after i made the rounds and talked to everybody and then there were people that came up to me and said you know, especially the like the old jocks, mm-hmm. you know, little Gary McNamara. How in the hell did you ever become a national talk show host? Yeah, how the hell did that ever happen? And that's sort of cool when you get that when you just smile. It's like, well, you know, I was always a loner to begin with, so why not do talk radio? <laughs> Answer somewhere like that, they look and go, okay, but about. Uh, two hours into the last, the, this would have been the 40th, 10 years ago. And I end up talking to a bunch of people. And then I meet some guy in, in, in sort of in the corner of the place and start mm-hmm. talking to him. And he goes, wait a minute, I remember you. He goes, you were in my study hall. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, yeah. Would well, you remember this guy next to me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then another guy comes over and there's like five, five or six people over there were all hanging there. And all of a sudden I realized that it was, all of the people that I knew that it didn't have didn't have any they weren't jocks they you know they weren't the brainiacs they weren't the jocks they weren't the druggies it was like everybody was like sort of a loner and sort of happy that they were a loner and I looked and I said oh my gosh you know what's happened after forty years all the rejects just by national or natural osmosis ended up in the same corner. <laughs> talking to each other 40 years later yeah that's usually how it goes <laughs> nothing nothing has changed well the one thing that gets to me is that it's just not me i mean one of the reasons i probably never went to one until you know facebook came out my buddy doug said you gotta go is these people that number one i can't i can't handle the facebook alumni sites because all it is is obituaries mm-hmm. and then everybody says oh no Mm-hmm. This person died, and I think about my own mortality, and I'm retired now, and you wonder what there is to live for. And high school was the best time of my life. And at that point, I'm like, I'm gone. I'm done. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm not even arguing. I'm just done. Yeah. I don't get yeah. into those type of arguments. Right. But it's like, high school was the best time of my life. If I could only go back to those times, and you and I don't think that way. I mean, high school no. was high school was fine. I mean, I you know it was 
uh, I'm I was not a great student. I wanted to get out of high school. My mother forced me to go to the, my my graduation. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. She said, "You're going." I didn't want to get my senior picture taken. Right. If you see my senior picture, my hair just looks like it's all greased down. It's wet. I was in the pool. Mm-hmm. I was swimming in the pool, and she called over to my buddy's house saying, "You need to get your senior picture." I don't want to get it taken. Mm-hmm. I just, I really rejected authority completely. I wasn't a bad person. I didn't steal. I didn't commit crimes. I just rejected authority in high school. Mm-hmm. You told me to go left. I'll go right. Mm-hmm. And so many of them told me to go left. I ended up going right. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, I, and- um, I, I just didn't have any interest. I, I don't have any interest in trying to relive anything. Uh, the reunion that I have with, with uh, my friends from Del Rio, uh, we've been doing for years, and that's just a matter of getting together with friends. I don't mm-hmm. really hang out outside of family. I don't hang out with any anybody aside from them. I mean, and that's usually once a year. Uh, and we're on a we're on a text thread. We don't do the social media thing. Yeah, I don't have that from anyone. Like I said, uh, there's only really one, two, three. One was not in my class. Mm-hmm. But three people that I knew in high school that found me on on Facebook. One is my great nephew's assistant coach. The other is my buddy Doug, and that is my buddy Joey. And uh, you know, uh, Joey's the one that's into sports. hasn't changed at all. He was a prison mm-hmm. guard his whole life. Mm-hmm. He's completely the exact same. Rages over sports constantly. In fact, he's mellowing out now. <laughs> He hasn't been raging as much. Mm. He's like, well, I've learned I need to calm down. <laughs> said, You've been raging since you were 14 yeah. about sports. <laughs> but And so we've gotten a great kick out of it when he still loses it, when he when he does his rants. Me and another guy that, that I that I knew from high school, we get the biggest kick out of it. I mean, I mean, there's, we're just like, wow. And then we tease the daylights out of him. And so I'm going, it's like, I, uh, I'll probably go. I'm, I'm thinking of going, uh, you know, uh, Back to my dad's house, grabbing the clubs, hitting a few golf balls, and then stopping by the the uh, reunion. It's like I said, it's more like just a happy hour, mm-hmm. and they got some food laid out. Then the next day is the dinner, and they've got tours. I'm not going to any of that. Mm-hmm. I had my the uh, the McNamara family reunion, and that I wanted to make sure, as you know, that I went to because last year we didn't they didn't go for like two years, maybe a COVID. Mm. Is it two years? And then last year, uh, I said, I've got to go because, you know, my my aunts, my father and my aunts, you know, my my father's sisters who are who are still alive. And I went, wow, you know, if I don't go there, I may not see them again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad got covid. Remember, that was the weekend I stayed in a hotel. That was weird. Mm -hmm. Not staying at my dad's house. And, uh, you know, hung out with my dad, you know, in the driveway and things like that. And then went to the family reunion. And so I was like, I'm sad, but everybody's still alive. And so they're having it again this year. So it's like, I got to go. Yeah. You know, you just want to be there, you know, for uh, for that. And we've got a pretty big family. I mean, my there were 10 brothers and sisters in my dad's family. And then the number of cousins. And then, you know, there were like 50-something cousins. And then they've all married. And the majority of them have kids. And so there's even more. It's a pretty big family reunion. Mm-hmm. And everybody's still, even though everybody's gone their separate ways, 
we have a ver- we have a very independent but tight family. Right. And if something happened, even when we were growing up, if something happened to somebody who lived out of town, you know, the family would make sure that they were okay. Sure. And so uh, it'll be a, it'll be a good weekend. Good. So, that's about it. I have no idea how we get on that topic. Me either. But it is Whistleblower Wednesday. <laughs> Anything can happen. I'll be anxious to see if uh, Comer's going to, you know, if this is where we learn about the bank records that he promised last week during the testimony. I have to believe it will be unless they've got something else planned after, you know, which would be either later on Wednesday or on Thursday. Well, if he uses his opening statement, because he'll get an opening statement, Mm -hmm. if he uses his opening statement to promote the bank records in order to ensure that the Democrats have nowhere to go because it's, as he said, that Americans are going to be bothered by what he brings out this week. If he uses that to keep the Democrats or if the Democrats, I think the Democrats, no matter what, are going to attack, you know, Shapley. I don't know how, but I know they are. How you attack whistleblower X is just by asking questions. Are you a Republican? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Are you a Trump supporter? Did you do this to? You know, that's the only way they can do it. But if he comes out with, there comes a point where it rings hollow, especially if the IRS agents through Comer letting out more financial details are getting closer to, all right, Joe Biden got money and got this amount of money and didn't report it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's the thing that every Republican is looking for. And there are a lot of Republicans frustrated. Uh, and we, we get emails from them. How come they can't get to that point yet? Yeah, I um, I tend to believe that the you know we'll likely learn about whatever bank records he was promising uh, during the testimony. It, that would make sense. But the money trail is important, and I'm hoping they're going to get to that point where they start demonstrating the flow of money between whoever and the Bidens. Yeah, that's going to be the connection. That's I mean, the big connection. They laid out, they laid out a timeline yesterday, mm-hmm. yeah. but again, it, the timeline wasn't at all specific enough for me. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, we have a problem. That's a quote from uh, Georgia legislators' first black Republican woman explaining why she sh- she switched parties. We'll get to some of the specifics coming oh, up, all right. which shows the problems that we have identified with the Democratic Party for a long time now.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. All right, well, uh, we know because of the last couple of days, Democrats finding they have a anti-Semitism problem again with a number of... Uh, of uh, Democratic uh, congressional representatives known as the squad. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's their anti-Semitism is absolutely blunt, as is their racism with identity politics. Mm-hmm. I, just, I was reading David Harzani's column in the New York Post uh, about uh, Democrats, uh, you know, going after Clarence Thomas, as we yeah. all know. And the latest yeah. one is Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, who was a well-known, uh, you know, racist and bigot mm. uh in an interview uh the uh former deputy chairman of the democratic national committee likened clarence thomas to samuel l jackson's character in django unchained if you haven't seen the movie uh that uh, character is a sadistic house slave who not only assists his captors in murdering and torturing fellow captives but mourns the passing of his master mm. And this is where, you know, we talk about identity politics that is mainstream within the Democratic Party, which is judging people by groups and not individuals. And they judge Clarence Thomas and Clarence Thomas, since he's a black man and not a liberal. That he is, well, Representative uh, Benny Thompson for years has called him Uncle Clarence. Mm. You know, the the racism from the incredible racism that comes from the liberal black leadership in the Democratic Party is unprecedented. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And understand that the attacks, the modern identity politics movement, targeted blacks. If you're a conservative black, if you won't go along, then you aren't genuine. We saw this uh, in uh, the summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. If you're a black law enforcement officer... You weren't considered black. You were considered blue, mm-hmm. that you're not black if you're a police officer. This is the problem, whether it's the anti-Semitism that we've seen this week come up in the Democratic parties. Uh, well, uh, let's put it this way, uh, hesitancy to criticize those members, mostly of the squad, who are absolutely anti-Semites. They, prou- they proudly promote yeah, it. Proudly. Constantly uh, do it. But the identity politics that attacks blacks that happen to say, well, you know something? I don't think I need to think like a group. Mm. I wish to think as an individual, which is why, as you've seen with critical race theory, one of the things they attack constantly is autonomy, the autonomy of the individual, Mm -hmm. of individual thought of of uh, of of uh, in incentive of things like the right answer the reason that math is racist one of the reasons is because in math there's the right reason or there, excuse me there's the right answer 
And if there's a right answer, well, that's in itself racist. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten so bizarre from the Democratic Party. But understand, I think people need to understand, it's not fringe. No, it's it's mainstream. It's mainstream. Uh, The attacks on Clarence Thomas have been all over the liberal media in recent days. I mean, one after the other. Um, I have to go back and find the one story. And I thought, my gosh, they write this headline. And I think it was an opinion piece, but um, I'll find it uh, that I read while I was on the road last week. And it was, I mean, they're just blatantly, proudly promoting how racist they are, implying that Clarence Thomas can't, think for himself right exactly that he he is owned by his rich friends right that there isn't a long-held ideology that drives him right that he just might happen to share with people who might happen to be wealthy right and white and white and white i mean that's ellison's making the ellison's making the case in uh django unchained uh, to the sadistic slave played by um, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, it was uh, Democrats like uh, it was uh, Benny Thompson have been calling Clarence Thomas Uncle Tom for years. Yeah. He said, Thomas doesn't like black people. He just doesn't like being black. Mm. Uh, one of the incredible things is is the fact that, you know, they were, remember, they were they they've accused him of being against interracial marriage. That was the best thing. Yeah, right. That Clarence Thomas will be one of the deciding votes against interracial marriage. <laughs> right. And, and it's like for those that don't know, he's married. To he a, is in an interracial marriage. marriage. Right. Exactly. His wife Jenny. And it's, but this is the this is the whole play for them because they don't they don't think that they're racist. And they're bluntly racist. And they're proudly promoting okay. their views. Right. And it couldn't be more obvious. And I and I do think that this is something that the, you know, we talk about Republican failures to communicate this. They need to communicate it the way we communicate it. And they don't yeah. each and every day. These yeah. people are racist. Mm. You know, understand that identity politics, as we have pointed out, the modern identity politics movement went after blacks. Mm-hmm. And as we see, the entire concept of critical race theory, that all whites think alike because culture the culture of racism is so great that all whites are culturally racist and therefore society must be set up that way, is also based on the fact of their view that all blacks must think alike. And since all blacks must think alike, all whites might think alike. The absolute most blunt racism is mainstream of the Democratic Party today. It's really, yeah, when yeah. you think about it, it's shocking that Republicans haven't looked at this and said, my God, this is gold and gone after it. Yeah, right. Oh, there was a and, story. And, and that's where you talk, instead of talking cultural issue, look, I don't, you, you may call it cultural issue, call it whatever you want. I'm calling it what it is. Mm-hmm. It's racism. And the the victims of this brutal racism of the Democratic Party has, from the very beginning of the modern identity politics, attacked blacks who said, well, I, I don't think as a group. I think as an individual. You think as an individual that terrifies 
liberals. That terrifies liberal whites. It terrifies liberal blacks. It terrifies liberals irrespective of your skin color. And that's why you see it all across the Democratic Party. Yeah, right. It's really amazing. And the thing that shocks me the most, I know I've repeated it, but it's so blunt. It's so blunt. It's so out there. They don't even attempt to hide it because they know they can say it bluntly and the and the Republicans and the media won't criticize them every single day. And it's one of the weaknesses of Republicans in communicating. For some reason, Republicans and conservatives believe, well, I said it once, everybody should understand it. When you sit there and when, when Republicans, when our callers call us and say, look, if the Democrats lie, we need to lie. No. Mm-hmm. When the... What's effective for the Democrats is they keep repeating the same lie over and over again, and people believe it. Just repeat the obvious truth over and over again, and you can beat their lies. Right. It's the repeating, it's the repetition of the message over and over again that is effective. You know, I was watching uh, YouTube yesterday, and it was an interview with Seinfeld. He made a great point. Mm. He made a great point. He said the thing about and he, he and he was uh, he was talking about just comedy in general, and and uh, but he made one point about comedians that do you know may do a little bit more serious comedy or issue based comedy, and when you're funny and make people laugh, they tend to buy the statement that you said as being legit even if it isn't. Yeah, that's interesting because you can see some, you can go, you go back to John Stewart when he was at the daily show. Uh, I I don't know, Mark Marin, you can go on and on and on about the, you know, the so-called activists that, that are also doing stand up that get into a David cross is one of them. A number of these stand up comedians who are far left, and then, you know, they do comedy and they'll throw in things. And and but when they do it, they'll make a joke on it and it might be a decent joke. But it but makes you think but, that. But it's based, it's based on a, in truth. It's based on a false premise. Right. And so you'll get the laughter and then mm-hmm. you get the applause. Right. And and Seinfeld said he goes, there's no relation. There's right. no relation to accuracy. There's no relation to accuracy. Right. And and truth, because you got to laugh out of something. He goes, now there can be. But it doesn't mean that there is. And he said, but because, he said, I believe, because people believe if you can be funny and make a point, then you must be correct in the statement that you made. And he right. said, that's why politicians tell jokes. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, like, it's, wow. it's an interesting take because a lot of comedians will embellish on stories, right, to make them funny. Uh, there's a comedian, Dusty Slay, who has long hair and a beard and... He said he was, I think he said he was in Austin one time, and he decided to lay down on this bench, and a lady came up to him and asked him, would you like a sandwich? He was giving away sandwiches to the homeless. And, <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, well, I, I wanted a sandwich, so I took the sandwich. Now, he he told the story, and he said uh, in, in a podcast, he said, because uh, he's on um, uh, Nate Bargatze's podcast uh, every week, and he says, uh, in, in real life, I actually didn't take the sandwich, but for the joke, I did. If you're embellishing that way, that's one thing. But if you're embellishing to make a 
point and posing it as something that is true about, let's say, a politician or a party that you dislike or something like that, then you're, what you're trying to do is throw out these little nuggets to have people believe something that actually isn't based in truth. And we said this about John Stewart. Well, I'm just a comedian. Oh, no. That? Oh, no, no, no. Crossfire? No. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. No, you don't get away with that. The show that he did at The Daily Show was, was funny. But it was a, certainly, I think, a prime example of what Seinfeld is is uh, describing there. And that is you're throwing out these things and as if they were all true and they're not or a, or actually connecting dots yeah to right. a to a truthful mindset that the opposition doesn't have right. but your comedy is attempting to connect false dots that this is the way the other side thinks and it may be funny but it's not the truth i thought uh, there was, I, uh, i've never seen i i just Tom Segura. I came upon that on uh, on YouTube yesterday. Tom Segura like really tells cool. a story, and he says, you know, I live in this uh, you know nice neighborhood, and, you know, thanks to all the money I made from my fans, and thank you very much. And he tells this bizarre story about one of his neighbors may or may not be a current or former U.S. senator. And then at the end, he, t- he tells this weird, weird bizarre uh, story about meeting the person while he's out for a walk in his neighborhood. And then at the end says, and the person may or may not be Ted Cruz. And it wasn't. It's not Ted Cruz. No. And people who saw him, Segura, in other cities said when he was live in Chicago, he said it was the CEO of some other company, some company. It wasn't, he didn't say it was a politician. But on the special, he says, may or may not be, and then at the end, may or may not be Ted Cruz. Well, you want people to believe that's Ted Cruz. So have the backbone to say it. You know, the thing is, is that these comedians can be funny, but that's not what they're trying to do in those moments. They're trying to be influential. And it doesn't work that way. You don't get away with that. People call you out on that. No, any anybody who gets into the arena of ideas, even stand-up comedians, <laughs> John Stewart was absolutely wrong when he said that. I thought that was quite cowardly of him. Yeah. Even though I thought it was quite brave of him to do the whole COVID thing mm-hmm. a couple of years back. Right. Um, uh, but yeah. when he did that, and it goes back a couple of decades, I believe, when he did mm-hmm. the other thing for Crossfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I remember because yeah, that I mean, was, was Tucker, Tucker Carlson was on Crossfire then. Was wasn't he? he? Yeah. yeah. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think it was directed at Tucker. Yeah. And, 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 and but it's like sorry, it's like you don't uh, get to hide behind that. No, I'm just a comedian thing. No, Dennis yeah. Dennis Miller doesn't get to hide behind it because no, he does political no, comedy. Exactly. You know, so and he's, so he's open to criticism or if you compliments. Want, yeah, if you want to embellish, it's not that every, we have to believe every word that comes out of your mouth is true. But if you're trying to make points like that, you're trying to do that and make people believe something that isn't true, but you want them to believe it's true. That's the difference. 86690 red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. 
One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer, such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line. Avoid hugging the right side of the road, and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by JJ Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carle, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, the reason uh, we brought that up about uh, the anti-Semitism that the Democrats are dealing with and the identity politics that they're dealing with, uh, which is, in our opinion, identity politics is just the nice way. It's sort of like identity politics is sort of like gender affirming care. <laughs> yeah, the same thing. I mean, uh, uh, the identity politics to us is racism, mm-hmm. judging people by groups and not individuals. And we should all in this country, I believe, treat people as individuals and judge them by the content of their character. And because we do talk radio, the substance of their argument and their ability to tell the truth. Uh, but this all leads to the uh, Georgia state representative, uh, Misha Maynard, who uh, went from being a Democrat, lifelong Democrat, announced her decision to join the Republican Party last week making her the first black Republican woman to serve in the Georgia Assembly. Democrats, this from National Review, have mutilated and sabotaged the representative since her appointment in uh, 2020, Maynard said, while Republicans have supported her. Quote, these are all quotes from her. It was always exceptionally easy to deal with Republicans. Everything that I wanted to do was for my community. And I remember Speaker Pro, uh, the Speaker Pro Temp, Jan Jones saying one day, I want to help you since you actually want to help your community. Mm. And that was not taken the same way from the Democrats. Maynard broke with her fellow Democrats on several issues during her time in the legislature, including police funding and prosecutorial oversight. But it was her vocal support for school choice that led to harassment and intimidation from her colleagues. Although she's faced scrutiny from Democrats in the legislature, State Senator Josh McLaurin is offering a thousand dollars to anyone willing to challenge her. I'm running on what my community wants. What my community wants are the things that Republicans are pushing, and they just don't know that the Democrats do not support what they want. We'll get to more of this coming up. Wow.
individuals and businesses with tax problems. Listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now, 800-785-9132. That's 800-785-9132. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-785-9132. Message and data rates may apply. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text APPLY NOW to 88909 right now to get started. That's APPLY NOW to 88909. Auto financing the easy way. Text APPLY NOW to 88909. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected today. Call 800-312-9970. Coast One Tax Group, protecting your bank, home, and your sleep since 2008. With hundreds of five-star reviews and an A-plus on the Better Business Bureau. Call Coast One Tax Group, 800-312-9970. Stanley from New York owed $93,000. The IRS placed a levy on his bank account. Coast One released the levy and settled with the IRS for $2,000. Mark in Michigan owed $225,000. After Coast One stepped in, Mark walked away paying less than $1,500. Call Coast One now. A 10-minute call can save you up to 93% on your back taxes. Get your fresh start today. That's 800-312-9970. You are listening to Red Eye Radio, live from the Uniden America studio. Uniden, social media at its best. Go to Uniden.com today. Five hours a night and still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he is Eric Crowley and I'm Gary McNamara talking about this uh, Georgia uh, representative who uh, uh, became the first black Republican uh, in the state legislature explaining why she, she switched. It really comes back, when you think about it, to education choice. And this is something that we've talked about for the longest time, mm. that if you look in the 
in the black community. They love education choice. Yeah, sure. And she said, I am running for what my community wants. What my community wants are the things that Republicans are pushing. Excuse me here. They just don't know that the Democrats do not support what they want. Maynard's goal has not changed with her party designation. She still wants to make Georgians in the 56th district as independent as possible. Although Democrats call Maynard's decision a stinging betrayal in her deep blue district, which voted for Joe Biden by almost a 90% margin in the 2020 election, she won her previous two elections in that district on a school choice platform. Wow. Wow, that's pretty big. An Atlanta native who spent 20 years as a physical therapist, Maynard has two daughters who attend school in Georgia. Quote, my mom shipped me off to another community to go to school with better performing schools. And a result of that, I am sure I am where I am because of that decision, Maynard said, explaining that her mother used a family member's address so she could attend school in a neighboring district. In Georgia, that is illegal. You go to jail if you lie and use someone else's address address to attend a school. Hmm. My district has the most charter schools in of any other district in the state of Georgia. My district already is quite upset with the current state of the public school system in a district that voted for Biden 90 to 10. Wow. Students in her district can't perform simple math, she said, and many teachers are resigning because they are graduating students who don't know how to read. Well, and we go back to, and this was years ago, but uh, the the situation in Georgia where they were changing the test scores yeah. of the standardized tests yep. in Georgia because the teachers wanted to, and the administrators wanted their school district to look better. And it wasn't statewide. But it was a pretty big deal. They were actually having these, what they called, score-changing, test-changing parties where they got together after the kids took the test and then they changed the answers to the right answers. She is the only Democrat in the state who broke party lines to vote for the school choice bill. You and I Mm. talked about this Mm. A long, 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 long time ago. Uh, we talked about this. I believe it was the chancellor of Washington, D.C. schools who who end up quitting and saying, I finally had to come to the decision, what am I here for? Am yeah. I here to defend the teachers' union or am I here for the best interest of the children? And we've stated this for the longest time. It is the left, the Democratic Party, and the liberal black leadership in this country that has fought the hardest against school choice, yeah. which black parents overwhelmingly support 
and it is a liberal black leadership and the Democratic Party that has fought tooth and nail in the most dangerous cities that now, in so many major cities, they wish to defund the police and give deference to the criminals. Mm -hmm. They will do anything that they possibly can to keep law-abiding people, including blacks and other minorities, from having the same Second Amendment right that so many people have in the suburbs and in other parts of the country. And as you and I have always stated, if the Democrats and the liberal black leadership in this country don't give a damn about your education or your life, then please tell me what they care about. Yep. Um, And, you know, with the Obama administration going after legally, they wanted to go after states that were giving parents more choices. Uh, There was a at least the threat of a lawsuit. They never really followed through with it. But if they had their way, if they thought they could get away with it, they absolutely would shut down school choice. The left has been looking to shut it down for a long, long time. And they're clear on it. I mean, it's blunt. Yeah, right. It's not, they're not even trying to hide it. No. And over and over again, you've demonstrated that. And and frankly, it was only a matter of time before this, because this is a war that they weren't, they thought they were taking on the right, like we've said on, in many cases, but you're taking on the parents. And at some point, the parents are going to want to stand up. And we're seeing that more and more. Public schools are failing our children. That's been going on for way too long. And at the very least, parents deserve a choice. Yeah. This isn't hard, is it? Nope. No, it isn't. And the political battle is not between the left and the right. It's between the left and parents. On a number of fronts now. And expect her to be viciously attacked. Mm, of course. Because, according to the Democratic Party, all blacks think sh- must think alike mm-hmm. and all whites think alike. Yeah. Yeah. The basis of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. That is so, that is such a Neanderthal mindset. Yeah. We're supposed to be past that. It's to the point where if you believe, think about these things, if you believe in the uh, in putting in the effort to excellence, if you believe in the autonomy of the individual, that I judge you by you, that is considered racism today. Oh, yeah. If you talk about the fact that you should go for it, and if you have incentive to go for it and succeed, that is viewed in today's insane anti-racist movement that is actually a racist movement that is viewed as racist. You can't make these things up, Eric. I mean, it's the most bizarre things you can imagine. Yep. That's what we're dealing with today. Yep. And so it's more evidence to what we have said, the part of the frustration that Eric and I feel.
and had felt for the longest time with Republicans is, yeah, it's important to, uh, you know, with the, you know, it's whistleblower Wednesday. It's important what's going Mm -hmm. on today, but it's important every day to be promoting things in the language of truth. Do not use the language of the left, as we have brought you earlier today, especially with the insane radical transgender movement. You know, don't get caught up in that. You can talk about all these things. You can talk about critical race theory. Of course you can. You can talk about the racism, how anti-racism is now racism. Mm. But be blunt. Be blunt and be truthful because it's easy to do so. But also talk about all the other things. Talk about how the Democratic Party is against school choice. Talk about when you talk about uh, you, when when you talk about uh, uh, guns. I could care less about you posing with your family holding guns. Yeah, I could care less about that. What I want is an explanation consistently to Democrats and to independents about how the Democratic Party is trying to deny you your Second Amendment right to protect yourself, and they especially wish to do it in some of the most dangerous areas of the country. Yep. And I want you to I want the Republican Party to promote school choice constantly. You pound as hard on these particular issues and the border and spending and everything. Like you do, like we're going to see here on Whistleblower Wednesday about what's going on mm-hmm. with with uh, with Biden. They're right. all important. Right. right. But at times, it's as if the focus of the Republicans seems to be too narrow. You need to pound on the issues each and every day and let the American public know the urgency of how of how you feel their rights. And I mean, everyone is included in this. Yeah. Don't you, make it about you. Make it about the ideas. Make it make about, it about the what the left is doing. Don't make it about you. And you can win. Yep. And you can continue to win. Yep. There's no reason it shouldn't be landslide from 2024 on. As long as the Democrats embrace insane ideas. Yeah. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Canada for a moment. Muslim parents say Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is either lying or he is misinformed after he blamed the American right wing for Canadian Muslims' opposition to gender ideology and LGBTQ curriculum in K-12 education. <laughs> wow. It's shocking that Trudeau would use the same kind of silly arguments that are being used 
in the United States, said Kareem Monib, uh, a Muslim parent, uh, telling Fox News Digital, I'm surprised that they don't have anything else to say other than to accuse parents who are truly concerned and want to pass on their religious teaching to their kids to say that it's right-wing manipulation. Everything has to be right-wing manipulation. That, 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 that they, he can't say what he truly wants, Yeah, which is Muslim parents are wrong, hmm. but Trudeau can't say that. Mm-hmm. So he has to say, you're not wrong. You're simply being manipulated by the right-wing media in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> which is to say, you can't think for yourself. Right, right. You can't think for yourself. Yeah. You're just following the right wing. Wow. Uh, It's just sad. He's either lying or he's misinformed. The curriculum is right there. Everyone can read it, and it's wrong. Trudeau spoke with the Muslim community last week uh, at a Calgary mosque after hundreds of Muslim parents gathered last month to protest against the teaching of gender ideology in schools, chanting, leave our kids alone. You're just watching too much Fox News. (laughs) Wow. Uh, According to the video from the meeting, one Muslim parent asked Trudeau to please protect our culture, our belief, The sin that you are doing on them, Trudeau responded, first of all, there is an awful lot of misinformation and disinformation. Yeah, tell us what there is Uh, out there. uh, People on social media, particularly fueled by the American right wing Mm -hmm. and spreading a lot of untruths about what is actually in the curriculum. Trudeau's remarks appear to echo liberal media narratives that Muslims were being manipulated by conservatives into their stance, such yeah. as MSNBC's Jen Psaki saying the GOP was trying to recruit Muslims into being anti-transgender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does, how does that mean, work? How does that recruitment effort work? Hey, would you come over here? We're going to listen. We need you to we need you to get into, uh, you know, our our way of thinking here. We need you to. Fall in line and and help us work against this. This is how the, the left believes you're mindless. I know. Yep. That you don't have a mind of your own. You must be controlled. By the way, giving so much credit to the right wing media in America, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.